In today's episode, this is part one of a two-part episode where I will be digging deep and sharing my journey with you of leaving my desk job, becoming a remote worker, and finally starting a business from my RV. I'll be sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly and the top lessons learned so that if you too are going on a similar journey, you can learn the things I did well and avoid some of the mistakes I made. Welcome to the Remote Work Retirement Show. I'm your host, Camille Attell, and this is the only show dedicated to remote work for semi-retirees, people leaving the workforce, and people working in retirement to help them have peace of mind that they can live how they want without the fear of running out of money. Okay, so I'm going to have to get transparent and vulnerable with you in this episode. And I got to tell you, I'm not excited about it, but I do want to share the good, the bad, and the ugly about my journey because even though I might be a little uncomfortable during this episode here and there, I think it's important to be open with you because I have experiences that I think can help other people. And if you're getting ready to work remotely or start a remote business or even travel like me, then there are some things about my story that I think can help you. And for that, I'm willing to open up. So what I'm going to do is walk you through the last five years. I can't believe it's been five years since I walked away from my corporate job to get in an RV and work remotely. But I want to take you back even further than that. that. Yep, going back to the 90s. If you've been listening so far, you know I like these kind of 80s and 90s references. But in the 1990s, I think it was about 1997, I believe, I actually worked remotely for the very first time. Now, I should say I didn't plan it that way. It was completely by accident. I had graduated college, I want to say 96-ish, and it took me a while. It took me about six years. I went to community college and then finished off at San Diego State. So after six years of trying to grind it out in college, I really did not want to get a job. I was like, I don't think I've had enough fun. So I threw on a backpack and I traveled to New Zealand and Australia. So I was in my mid-20s at this point and uh, just wanted to have fun and, and cruise around and see what would happen. I tried to get a job working as a snowboard instructor, but it was the only year on record for like 100 years that they didn't have enough snow. So I'm stuck in this town with with like no job and no no plan. Uh, so I end up teaching English at the local school. Didn't really have a degree for that, and I was waitressing at the Beef Eater Steakhouse. So oh my gosh, I'm reminiscing already in this episode. Now here's where I truly work remotely. I was going to an internet cafe in the day, and I was writing my dad emails about my experience. So you could say that was a really early form of a blog. Now I'm going to talk about blogging today in this episode, but um, the reason I bring that up is I worked, I kind of quasi worked remotely then, and then fast forward to 2009, I worked remotely again with a company I was working for because they wanted to let everyone work from home about one day a week. So I had experience with that. And then in 2014, I was in an internship at my job and I got to work remotely again because my boss was in Texas. I was in California 
And when I figured out he didn't really know where I was, I just started working from home. (laughs) Now, I bring these things up because you could say that I had a lot of remote experience, but oh my gosh, I had a massive wake-up call when I finally walked away from that corporate job in 2016 to truly work remotely from my RV. And I realized at that point that that experience that I had working remotely from home or, you know, across the sea really wasn't working remotely. And so for today's episode, I do want to walk through the years from 2016 to today, share with you what happened each year, but also give you those lessons learned because I feel like my journey took about twice as long as it needed to, to get where I am today. And if I can save you some of the pain that I went through, well, then my job today is complete. All right, so let's get into it. 2016 is where I'm going to start. I do have some notes. I'm going to look at my notes real quick, and then uh, we'll just get right into it. So in 2016, I'm in this job. I'm super happy. It's an internship, but it was only about a two-year internship that I got placed in. It was continuous improvement. And if you've listened to any of my story, you already know I come from a long history of corporate training. So I was really excited about this internship because I thought it would put me in the position to take a senior level role or director role, which I had been working for for years. So I'm about 11 years in on this company. I'm in this internship and it's coming to an end and they actually have nowhere to put me except backwards, back to where I was in corporate training. And I loved my job and I loved my company and I loved working for them, but the idea that I was gonna go backwards just did not sit well with me. And so it caused me to really question, is this what I wanna do? Where is this all going? And my husband at the same time, Bryce, was having his own journey with his corporate job. And I'm gonna have him on as a guest in a future episode because his remote work journey looks different than mine. And so I really wanted to keep these separate because you know, even though we were in the same RV doing somewhat of the same things, vastly different journey for him. So different episode for that. But it caused us to question. So in 2016, we decided that's it. We're chucking everything away. We're going to quit our jobs, our really good paying jobs. We're going to, we didn't want to sell our house because at that point we had only owned it for a couple of years and we had had a flood in it, which caused us to move out, had mold in the house, the whole nine yards. And we just, we didn't think we would actually recoup the money. We put it on the rental market and we put our things, what were left of our things in storage because we downsized and got rid of a lot of stuff. So if you're like me and you think you're going to RV or travel and you've got a bunch of stuff to deal with and a house full of things, I really feel your pain. I do have some resources actually that I can share in this episode. I'll I'll put that in the link below. So we get into an RV. We had never RV'd before. We did all this research around RVing, but I think where we went a little bit off is that we... I think we approached it as two very like researchy people would. Like we didn't actually get in an RV and go RVing and test it. We just like did everything on a spreadsheet and just did like pros and cons, you know? And so I think our mistake is that we bought an RV. We had never really been in one. We hadn't rented any. We hadn't, you know, experienced the lifestyle. And so we sort of just went into this with sort of like doe-eyed, very hopeful. And luckily we like our RV. It's a Tiffin Allegro. Um, it's not the most expensive Tiffin out there, but it's nice. But we bought new. And in hindsight, I think we we wished we would have bought used. And I think the other thing we wished is that we knew more about RVs. 
Because if you're going to do that, I think knowing how to fix some things yourself or take care of some things on your own can save you a lot of time and money. But I'm not going to talk about too much about RVing today. I will do that in a future episode in case you're interested. But that leads into the rest of 2016 because I lasted about, oh, two and a half months on the road before I've, I panicked about money. So we left our corporate jobs with enough money to sustain us for a while. And our big plan was, we'll figure it out. Well, let me tell you, that is a dumb plan. <laughs> so again, kind of naive at the time, just didn't have a solid plan, but we thought, hey, we're, you know, we're smart people. We'll figure it out. Well, I have been working literally since I was 13 years old. I've never had a break. And the idea that I was not going to work or have work coming in pretty immediately really scared me. And so I really was like, okay, what can I do? So I started, I started a blog in 2016 because everyone said, hey, if you're going to get an RV, you should blog about it. And I was like, yeah, cool. That makes sense. I guess I'll do that. Again, not knowing what I was getting myself into. And so more than a wheelin, our RV blog was actually born. Now, I can tell you that I was way in over my head. I had started a blog once back in 2012 to raise money for Challenged Athletes Foundation. They provide equipment and training for challenged athletes because I was training to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and that was part of my fundraising. So the only real blog experience I had was 2010 and that one time when I was in New Zealand emailing my dad, I thought that was blogging. So starting a blog in 2016 with that mentality, pretty much I started off on the wrong foot. Let me just start with that and I'll tell you more about that blogging experience as we go down the line here and talk about where I went wrong and some things I did well in case you are also going to start a blog or are already have a blog. And I think I will record another future episode all around blogging because I think that is a very viable way to earn money if you know what you're doing. Okay, so let me continue. So a couple of things went well in 2016, um, even though when we first got on the road, you know, we were in over our heads on our RV, kind of didn't really know what was what and how to fix things, which landed us in a dealer's garage in the middle of a rainstorm in Oregon for four days. This is where we lived. And um, here's what went right, though. I, because I'm kind of a type A, antsy person, I really thought, you know, I think I can find work. If we're going to be here for four days, what can I actually do to earn money? And that might be surprising to you because I think for a lot of people, that kind of mentality is sort of like, what? You're going to be somewhere for four days and you think you're going to find work. But I have always been a very proactive person. And I know a little bit about selling stuff online. I've sold things on Craigslist. I've had garage sales. I'm like, how hard can this be? So I go on Craigslist and I search for jobs. And sure enough, I found four jobs I applied to all four of them, and I got two offers within a couple of hours. And so that was my first real experience at landing remote work in 2016. Now, the jobs themselves were not remote because they were on site. One of them was being a brand ambassador at like a Costco serving some kind of food. But the other one was a small little acting gig for a public service announcement video. Now, I'm not an actor, 
But I, of course I said yes. And so here's what's so cool about that story. I dragged Bryce along. We both did this little acting gig. We were there for like an hour and we got a hundred bucks. And so I felt like I had really cracked the code of remote work and I was so excited that this whole thing had worked and I was really proud of myself and it really got me thinking like, okay, if I can do that, what else can I do? So here are some lessons learned from 2016, that very first year, really half a year that I think are important. If you're going to start on a journey, then you have to be open to what's happening in present day. So a lot of times we go out and we say, here's what I want my journey to look like. And oftentimes that doesn't match. So you have to be open to what's going to come your way and how can you leverage it? So I'm really happy I started the blog, even though I didn't know what I was doing. I stuck with it, which I'll talk about. And I'm really happy I went on Craigslist and looked for something and kind of just applied, even though... I wasn't really qualified. And if you've been in my world for a while, you know I talk about this all the time. Always apply to a job, even if you think you're not qualified. If you think you have some of the qualifications and you're somewhat interested, it's always worth applying because you never know. All right, now let's move into 2017 and some of the lessons learned there. Two things happened in 2017 that were absolutely pivotal in my journey. Number one was going to something called the Escapers Bash. Now, the Escapers is for working RVers. I learned about it completely by accident, and I asked Bryce if we could drive all the way back from Texas to go to this thing in California just so we could meet some people. And then the second thing I went to was the RV Entrepreneur Summit, and that is run by Heath and Alyssa Paget although I don't know if they're going to continue doing it. Those two events were huge. That's where I met my community. I met people that were RVing. I met people who were starting businesses and working on the road. I learned about YouTubers and bloggers. And I've met some friends who will be lifelong friends until the day I die. And so I'm so grateful that that happened in 2017. And I want to encourage you, and this is true no matter what life choice you make, whether it's going to be in an RV or at home or traveling or whatever, is make sure that you have a network of people who can support you and who you can connect with. That's really important. The other reason that 2017 was such a pivotal year is because I also started doing a lot more remote work. All of those networks I started to build, they led to all these different remote jobs. I will list a few of them. But one of the first things I started doing was freelancing as a blogger, as a blog writer. I started working for a company called Outdoorsy who specializes in the RV rental market. Now, I want you to understand something. I had written exactly four blog posts before Outdoorsy hired me. So again, I don't think I was entirely qualified for this job, but I put up a pretty darn good front with those four blog posts. I also later that year started blogging for another company called Campanda, who doesn't serve the U.S. market anymore, but again, was an RV rental company. I also got a contract with the Escapees. Again, that's that RV community that I just mentioned. It's a member site that's been around for, you know, really since the 70s, catering to the RVer. They hired me to write some training for them. So here's where I really got to use what I call my transferable skills. And again, if you've been in my world for a while, you know that I say that transferable skills are so key 
to new opportunities for you. Meaning I was able to use my training background even though it was mostly in the classroom, and adapt it to creating online training, which was a little bit newer for me. I had done some of it, but not the way I needed to do it for that contract. So that was also a huge learning curve. I also became a Pinterest pinner. Pinterest is that website that has all those pretty pictures. If you're not familiar with it, you might have seen it or heard about it. Lots of people used to go there to look for like wedding dress ideas or, you know, how to make a, a pie. But really, Pinterest is a massive search engine. It's much like Google, but with pictures. And so I started working in that job as well. And in 2017, I sold something off of my website. It was my first affiliate sale, and it was for my friend Liz Wilcox's first book called Tales from the Black Tank, a hilarious book of RV stories. I think I made like $8, but I was so excited that I actually sold something off of my blog. And I should mention, this is huge, in 2017 at that RV Entrepreneur Summit, that is where I met Liz as well as Lindsay McKenzie from Follow Your Detour. And then later that year, I met Julie Chickory from Chickory's Travels. And we formed a little community to start helping each other with our blogs, which eventually grew into Full-Time Freedom Week, which is an online summit all about the RV lifestyle. More on that later. But that all happened in 2017. Oh, I should also mention that I learned that there was going to be a documentary film all about the RV lifestyle. And because I am very proactive, I reached out to the director and I pitched myself as a project manager and I almost got hired on the spot, which should have been a red flag. But at the time I was just so eager to get a job, I really didn't care. So I had a heck load of jobs in 2017. I think if I added it all up, I probably had about six or seven different things I was doing, including a little bit of affiliate marketing coming off of our blog, More Than a Whelan. So it was a huge year. It was a lot of fun. Now, what I haven't mentioned is that in 2016 and 2017, Bryce and I were moving very quickly. We were crossing the country. We were covering huge miles in the RV. We were just moving at a fast clip of, of about every three days we were on the go. And so that's another lesson learned if you're going to RV that most new RVers make, if you go full-time in particular, and that is that you treat it like a vacation and you're moving very fast when really just slowing down and taking your time can help you get really grounded. So here are some lessons learned from 2017 that I think are really big. Number one, I was throwing myself at everything and anything. And the reason I was doing that is, again, I was really panicked. I was panicked about not only just money and how much money was coming in, I started to recognize that I was very panicked about my identity. And so if you hung out in my world a little bit, you might have heard me talk about identity is one of those things that seems to get in the way when you're trying to do something new in life. And if you're over 40 in particular, um, 40, 50, 60 and beyond, identity just gets that more rooted. And so it was really blocking me. I was like, what? I've always been a trainer. What am I going to do? How am I really a blogger? That I felt fake, you know? And how am I really doing all these other jobs? How can I really be a Pinterest pinner? I don't even know what Pinterest is. And so that identity stuff really started to come up for me, which is why I think I was almost like trying to prove something to myself like, hey, 
I can do this. Look at me. I can do this and I can do that and I can do this. And what ended up happening is I spread myself really thin. And the blog that I was working on, even though I was doing a little bit here and there, I think it lost some traction because I was just focused on too many other things. So I just encourage you, which I'll, I'll, at the very end of today's episode, I'm kind of, I'm going to like wrap up with the big lessons, but I would encourage you to really take a step back and do something like a skills inventory or really look at your risk tolerance, which I talk about in episode number one, before you do what I did and throw yourself at everything and anything just to get some money coming in. Cause you'll just burn out. That's what happened to me. Now, another lesson learned, this was a good thing that I did. And that was when we did that full-time Freedom Week Summit, which was very bootstrapped and um, hilarious, the four of us getting together trying to put on a digital summit when we had never done that and hardly knew what we were doing, is that is when I created my first digital product, which was the first version of Remote Work School. And I'm really happy that I did that. It was really nice to have created something of value that people actually wanted to pay for. And I'm so excited that I did that because holy cow, that's pretty much what my business is today. Something that I did five years ago, I'm still doing today, just completely differently, which I'll talk about later. But here's where I went wrong. Here's a a lesson learned that I wish I hadn't done. I built that first version first before I tried selling it. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about why I don't think that's a good idea. It's it's better to sell the idea of something so that you have some revenue coming in and then build it on the back end, which is something I actually did do a little bit later. Uh, Now, if you're really into that, I'll have a whole episode dedicated to how you do that in in future in a future episode, but today I just want to stay on track for some of those lessons learned. Now, here's one other lesson learned. And that is, again, I was on way too many learning learning curves. Because I was throwing myself at every job, well, every job had some kind of new technology that I didn't know. So I was learning all these new technologies. I'm going to list a few of these off, not to overwhelm you, but just to give you the flavor of what it was like to come out of a, a regular old corporate job, be thrust into all this remote online stuff, and this is what that learning curve looked like just in 2017. Number one, I had to learn how to use Slack, which is a communication tool. Then I had to learn Zoom or Skype, which was a video conferencing tool. Then I started learning about Facebook groups, how to network in them, and even run one of my own that I came up with that year, because that's what I do. Then I had to learn Pinterest, which I've mentioned. Then I had to start learning video recording software like ScreenFlow so that I could create training videos. Then I had to learn about WordPress.org because I had built my first blog on WordPress.com, and then I learned that wasn't such a great idea, so I had to switch everything over to .org. Again, I'll talk more about that in the blogging episode. Then I had to build an email list because these days, if you don't have an email list for your remote business, you really don't have a business. So I had to learn ConvertKit for email. And then I had to move on to learn about SEO, to learn about blogging. So I'm now up to eight different tools, okay? And I'm not here to train you on those tools today because holy cow, we would be here forever. But I really want to contrast that with when I worked in my corporate job, I might have had to learn, I don't know three to four different tools over the course of a decade. And in one year, I was forced to learn eight. 
And that is why I say those early days of me working remotely or thinking I was working remotely or working from home here and there, that was nothing. There was, that did not prepare me much for what I had to encounter with all of this software. Now, in 2018, things started to really level out. We slowed our, our pace down even more. We spent more time in places. I started to feel like I had a little bit more of a system around blogging, and I actually quit that Pinterest job because it turns out I was really bad at it, and I had screwed something up, and the person who I was working for was a friend of mine, and that felt terrible. I, I'm not kidding you. I have never screwed anything up so bad in my entire career. I was so ashamed of myself, I had to quit. And she was so kind about it. She didn't want me to quit, but I, I couldn't handle it. That was just way too hard on my ego. And so what I learned from that is, again, don't throw yourself at any and every job because there's some stuff that you just do not have the skills for, or you're going to hate every minute of it. And it is just not worth the money. It is a much better idea to use your transferable skills tap into your skills and your strengths and really find things that align with what you can do and what you like. Even if it's just a little bit, that's much better than doing something you hate. But anyway, back to 2018, things start leveling out. And this time I learned that I could actually sell remote work school before building it. Now you might say, well, I thought you already built it. Kind of. I built a really haphazard kind of broken version of it in 2017 because, well, I didn't know any better. It was on my blog. I didn't even have like a password for it. So it was pretty terrible. So I wanted to rebuild it. But this time I was like, I've learned that it's better to actually test the market and see if there are people who actually want this thing before I go and build it because building it takes time. So at that point, I had a very small email list of 600 people. And you might say, well, that sounds like a lot of people. And yeah, I, it is. Honestly, at the time, it felt like a lot of people. I felt honored to have people on my email list. And I also felt obligated to do something with it, like actually email them weekly to keep them posted on things and send them blog posts, right? So I tapped into that email list. I started asking people questions and surveying them and finding out what did they want, need, and what were they interested in. And the thing that kept coming up around remote work were things like, where do I find the jobs? How do I avoid scams? Um, how do I actually work remotely? What does internet look like? So all those things that made sense uh, today, but really even more in 2018, because this was long before the pandemic, when remote work wasn't that mainstream. So a lot of very practical questions. So that's what I did is I actually decided, well, I'll build a very practical course. And so instead of building it from scratch and waiting, say, three months to charge people, I charged people up front, and then I delivered remote work school a little bit week over week. But I was very honest with people that that's how it would work, and they loved it. In fact, that very first version was $47. It took me about 90 days to deliver it. And I made $2,000 with a couple of emails in that in the very beginning of 2018, just by communicating to people what my plan was. So the fact that I was able, again, to create something of value that people wanted, and I got $2,000 in return, oh my gosh, I felt like I had won the lottery. I was like, this whole online business thing works. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm so excited. So that was really exciting for me. 
And I thought I would share that story with you because I come from really humble beginnings in this whole online world. Now, in 2018, I also went back to the RV Entrepreneur Summit. So much fun. I reconnected with friends. I met new people. And that year, I actually got to speak with my friends, Liz, Lindsay, and Julie, and we decided to do a presentation on you guessed it, blogging. And we called it Blogging Camp. And that was a lot of fun. And then later that year, we actually decided to launch a Blogging Camp coaching course, um, which we did once or twice and then never did anything with again. Uh, Who knows? Maybe it'll come back up someday. But that was a lot of fun. And um, also in 2018, I resigned from that project manager job that I mentioned for that documentary film. There are some reasons for that I'm not totally ready to talk about today, but maybe in a future episode I will. But just know I knew that things were kind of going awry with that project, and I really didn't want to be involved at least in the uh, project manager level. Uh, But I still, Bryce and I were still actually... um, in the documentary film. So if you want to go watch it, it's called RV Nomads and you can find it on YouTube. So I got into the rhythm of blogging. I was getting more consistent with blogging. I was building out remote work school more and more people were coming into my world. And I kept emailing people about remote work school and I made a few more affiliate sales on blogging. And so I was feeling really good about all of this stuff. And then I had an opportunity to present on a at that time for me, a pretty big stage, which was called Nomad Summit. And Nomad Summit is truly for digital nomads, not just RVers, but nomads who travel all over the world, all different styles. It's put on by a guy named Johnny Jen, who has a podcast called Travel Like a Boss and a few other things. And this was pretty big. I mean, it was in front of probably over 100 people. Uh, That's also on YouTube. And what was so cool about that is I actually met some older digital nomads because I was definitely one of the oldest people there. The word digital nomad, um, I have learned that that's typically for people kind of under 40. Um, even though it's not, it just seems to attract that crowd. So I'm like one of the older people there and I met all of the other eight older people there (laughs) and I actually picked up some client work at, uh, that summit and even worked with people for many years after that. So that was really exciting. And I worked with them on everything from a blog they wanted to start to a course they were thinking about launching or a summit they wanted to do because at that point I had had enough experience. Experience. And so I should back up and say, you know, another thing that people get caught up in these days is feeling like they have to be the absolute expert of something before they can actually sell that thing as a service or before they can charge people. And I don't agree with that. And there's a lot of data that supports that. You just need to know more than the person hiring you. You just need to be able to add value enough. And sometimes if you know too much, that's actually not valuable to the person because you're just too far removed from their beginnings. So don't be afraid if you're feeling like, well, I want to be able and teach someone X, Y, Z, but I'm not an expert. You don't need to be an expert. Just know enough to add value. There's a little tiny lesson in that one. So the big thing that happened in 2018 that kind of came out of nowhere is that I I had an opportunity to actually travel to Thailand to be a part of a freelance retreat. Uh, A woman had pitched me on coming to her retreat as as a student and paying her. And I felt like, no, 
I think I should come to the retreat and she should pay me to actually share my value. And so we worked out, uh, we worked something out and I actually flew to Thailand and I helped with this very tiny retreat. Uh, but I got to help other people, other women in particular, actually figure out how they could turn their skills into a, a freelance service. So because I was in Asia, I also did Cambodia and Vietnam and that was amazing. However, I learned that working remotely overseas is even vastly different than working remotely in the US because of that time difference. I was 12 hours off. And so when I was working on full-time Freedom Week that year with Liz, Lindsay, and Julie, it was morning for them and evening for me. And it, it just made it very difficult to work as a cohesive team with me being so far away and in a completely different time zone. So that was a big deal to learn that that type of remote work is even different than what we do here in the US if you're listening from the US actually. So here are some lessons learned about 2018. Even though things started to smooth out a little bit, I was still doing way too many things. I had had that project management job. I was blogging. I had um, relaunched remote work school. Now I'm trying to speak on stage. I'm launching blogging camp. And again, I still think I was struggling with things like imposter syndrome, if you've heard of that, where you feel a little bit like an imposter, or I was feeling like, well, everyone talks about having multiple streams of income. Isn't this multiple streams of income? Well, no, because the key is the word passive. If you want multiple streams of income, some of them have to be passive. Otherwise, all you're doing is just more work. And so in a future episode, I'll talk about passive income streams and things like that. So I was still throwing myself at everything. I, I just felt like, wow, I've just got my finger in just too many things, and I really should start to scale back. And I also had to learn even more tools in 2018. Now I was getting into things like Teachable, which is one of the places where you host courses. I was um, managing a Facebook business page. I was getting into things like Google Drive, which is now Google Workplace or Workspace. I was uh, getting into Dropbox and Trello, which is a project management tool. So now I'm up to like 15 pieces of software. And I'm telling you, this is no way to sustain a business um, or even working remotely. If you're re working remotely and you think you're going to take on a whole lot of jobs, you have to really think about, again, your skills and your strengths and like how many learning curves do you want to be on? Because I was on a lot of them and holy cow, it was like I was learning something new every day. And I'm not even good at technology, by the way. So I tell people it's an absolute miracle that I run an online business. This wraps up part one of the two-part episode. I hope you've enjoyed it up to this point. Join me for part two, where I will tell you about my best year in business ever, followed by my worst year in business ever, and how I actually got started all over again and what I'll be doing differently going forward. See you then. 